everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. And tonight we are doing kind of a special episode um, where we are going to discuss streaming movies that are new um, from this past month that we've watched. Uh, this kind of acts as like a little bit of a replacement for The Quick Cage, which is now over. And um, honestly, I just don't know what to do with my life on Tuesday nights when we record these anymore since The Quick Cage is over. So, um, yeah, we're just going to talk about movies that we've watched and um, kind of like discuss them and review them um, that we've seen on what HBO Max, Disney and Netflix, I guess. Um, hey, if it makes you feel better, they announced a new movie going into production today with Cage as the star. Oh, yeah. Another yeah. one. What's this one? Revenge? Um, Western? No. It's a uh, Renfeld is what it's called. Okay. And Cage is playing Dracula. Dear God. Okay. So yeah, I'm super stoked for that to um, for that to come out. Oh boy, um, he is gonna hand that one up for sure. You gonna be watching it on the continuous Cage? We're hearing about it. Yeah, I will be absolutely. Um, so. Uh, there's a couple of them that we've um, we've both watched, and there's a um, couple we've watched independently. Uh, so let's start off with something positive first. We'll start off with um, uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings on Disney Plus came out this month um, for free. So it's came out of theaters what like September or something like that. Nah, that shit was in like June, I think, or something. Wasn't oh, okay. Yeah, it was in the summer. I'm pretty sure. Gotcha. Um, Eternals was in September. Mm. I have no interest it's in been that. that long ago so far. Jeez. Uh, it hasn't been that long since the Eternals yeah. came out in the theater. Yeah. Yeah, I'll watch it at some point. Um, but yeah, um, I'm not rushing to see it like whatsoever. So, um, what did you think? I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, so my first my biggest compliment to this movie is the chemistry between the two leads or I guess the lead and the supporting character, um, Aquafina playing the love interest of Shang-Chi. Um, I thought their chemistry was amazing. I loved the way that they were written together and the way that they played off each other. Um, I like her a lot from what I've seen her in, um, especially not a huge fan of her, like, skit comedy or whatever but i like her a lot in every movie i've seen her in so um super happy just to see her successful and i i thought their chemistry was great um it was the perfect balance i think of like it felt like the first time i saw maybe like hidden crouching tiger hidden dragon um in the sense that i thought it was a really good homage to like old school martial arts movies while still maintaining a feeling of um like modern relevance to it like where it felt like a modern movie like it wasn't just like aping that style it just was kind of you know um paying tribute to the style um i like the retconning of the mandarin or not even retconning but like further explanation of the mandarin character mm -hmm. i like the back the love backstory between the father and you know like fleshing that character out so it wasn't just a cookie cutter you know villain um which i think is one of the problems with some of the tertiary marvel movies is the villains tend to be 
the part of the movie that doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that it was a good introduction to a villain. Um, yeah, I mean, I was in, entertained start to finish. Thought it was pretty great. Yeah. Um, no, I. Yeah, and I'll compare this to another movie I just watched recently, but it's not like kind of like in um you know it wasn't just released this month, but uh yeah, I really liked. I thought everybody was really likable in this movie that was supposed to be likable. Um, I, I think uh, Simu Liu, Liu um, who is, uh, you know, plays Shang-Chi. I, I definitely think that he's, I can see him. I think it's a good performance. I think it's a good character. And I can definitely see him kind of growing and fitting in with the latest crop of heroes that they're going to be pushing, I think, in whatever the revised Avengers is eventually going to be like, however, they're going to do that. I think um, he's going to be a really good addition. Um, I mean, obviously we've talked about this with like the joy luck club um, on the primary podcast before. Uh, Great to see, obviously the representation finally um, where you have a cast that is primarily um, all Chinese um, um, Chinese Americans uh, in the cast. And uh, I'm super happy, like to finally see Tony Leung um, get a chance in front of American audiences as the father, and I thought he like absolutely nailed the role. Um, like I thought, like that that uh, you know, I guess he is the villain of the of the movie for the most of it, but um, you know, understated, like dignified still menacing there's just a lot of nuance to that character and um you know the perfect person to play because he's probably one of my favorite actors in the world um cover from all the all the movies i've seen him in with one car Wai. so um uh, yeah i was re- super happy to see that i thought it was for a guy who doesn't have tons to his credit um the director is destin daniel cretton um he um he really, I think, nailed a big movie like this pretty early, and um, I can definitely see maybe other um, bigger movies going to him like after this, because um, I thought he handled it really well. So yeah, I was really impressed for, uh, I mean, like you said, like for these like tertiary movies, like either introducing characters or sequels like to an already established character or something like that. Like the villains are kind of like the worst part of it. And I did watch, um, cause we're letting Disney lapse for like a month, like just to like save $15 and we'll pick it back up again when Hawkeye's finished. But, um, I, we watched black widow finally after like a year, um, as well, my wife and I, and, um i thought after the first 45 have you seen black widow yet no i don't care to yeah so it's actually like the second half of that movie maybe a little bit more than the second half like is is really good it's it's pretty solid um the first 45 minutes i was extremely worried like uh i was like i i was rolling my eyes at times like i was like oh my god is this what this whole movie is going to be and once they actually introduce the characters from her backstory it actually like is a pretty good movie from that point on um, the villain is exactly what you described, though. This damn cookie-cutter villain. Um, God, I can't remember. The guy that plays Mac in um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I can't remember that actor's name off the top of my head right now. Um, the, the the kind of guy that keeps turning on him and, you know, like his friend. that. Like, oh, right, right. I can't yeah. remember that actor's name. But he plays the villain. 
And um, it's a very obvious like analogy to me to Harvey Weinstein um, uh, in a lot of ways, like dealing with the idea of the widows. And it's just kind of like, it's just this cookie cutter villain. Um, and it kind of like lowers the stakes a little bit. And not to say that you can't have like these like villains that are just like completely evil and easily defeated kind of, but um, it does to me lower the stakes. And I, I like the idea of more nuance to the villain characters. And I think that handles this, you know, really well. Um, so yeah, I was really happy so, with it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like I devoted the past, what, four? 14 years of my life to watch in like every single thing that Marvel put out. And in this current phase of Marvel stuff, I'm only going to watch the things that really grab me and make me want to watch them. And then if later I realize maybe I, cause they follow like traditional comic plots well enough where I can always keep up, even if I don't know exactly sure. what's going on. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm just going to avoid certain things. Like if I don't care, I just don't care. And if it doesn't grab me, I'm not going to give them. And I'm not even trying to be one of those, like, oh, I'm so tired of superhero movies, because I love superhero movies. But I just think that, like, did I really ever need to watch, you know, the second Thor movie? Right, right. Sure. So, unless I really feel like something, like, super stoked for the Spider-Man movie, I think looks amazing. Um, I love Shang-Chi. But I don't really care about, like, I don't care about the Eternals as characters. So I don't know that I ever care to go and like watch that movie. And yeah. I don't really like Black Widow. I liked and like, I thought she had a, you know, fitting farewell. And yeah, the, the, this, that Black Widow movie should have been inserted into like the phase three, honestly, like the fact that they like kind of did it after the fact is a little, um, kind of a little insulting when she's like really the only like Avenger that doesn't, well, I guess Hawkeye doesn't either, but, um, but still, like, it just feels like um, they should have given her that, like, yeah. during that whole run. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely, if you have Disney Plus and, and what, two hours and 20 minutes to kill, you need to check out Shang-Chi. Yeah. It's worth it. Oh, to your point, I also wanted to bring up the chemistry you were talking about between Aquafina and um, Liu. Like, I hope, I hope they don't go the other thing that's really impressed me from a writing standpoint, like in characterization standpoint, I hope to God, they don't get those two together ever. Um, I thought it was so much better that they were just friends, like, you know, as opposed to potential love interests. Yeah, I agree with that. I, like, I think it makes more sense to keep them, to keep their, to keep a level of mild romantic tension without ever breaking it and always having it come back to them just being right buddies with each other so yeah yeah it's it's, I, it's something you, I, you never see is like that idea of platonic like you know agreed like, you know and and i think that you should see more of that and i really liked that part of it i mean again i i think she's fantastic she's one of my mm -hmm. favorite young actresses and i uh, am super excited to see what else she does so if she can do another shang chi movie and make a lot of money and continue that character i'd be happy with that yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right. Um, let's move over to Netflix real quick, because we each watch a different movie from Netflix. And so I want you to tell me about um, what, Harder They Fall. That's a, yeah. all I know about it is a Western, right? So I was not, it is a Western. 
So I was not super keen on the trailer for it, but, and I'm sure we've talked about this enough times. Like I love Westerns and I especially love like a well-done modern Western and listen to this cast, man. It's Erdris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield. I mean that right there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Friggin' fantastic, right? The problem with this movie is that it's a very traditional revenge story western, the bad guy. It honestly Linda or um Elba's performance kind of reminded me in some ways of uh almost a riff on um Russell Crowe in uh 310 to Yuma. Okay. Um, not exactly the same, but still played in that kind of, he's calm and he's collected and you know, he's a bad guy, but he still is kind of an appealing bad guy. The performances of the movie are all good, passable performances. And the problem is it's like, it feels so much like a made for TV movie. Like it doesn't feel professional to me, or it feels like. I don't know, like secondhand professional. I hate to say it like that. Number one, because it sounds like mildly racist, but it's just it's a it's it's like you fed westerns into like a AI that then compiled all the things that are in a western and then spit out like direction to make it look like okay well here's a scene that's exactly like a scene you saw from this movie and it's it's in love with like the genre and you can tell that they know you know the the director uh, whose name i can't even remember now um james james samuel he knows westerns and he knows like classic shots and he knows good framing and but you know like I don't know, go watch 310 to Humor, or go watch True Grit, or go watch, um, what's the one that we just, Magnificent Seven one that we just watched a couple years ago. You know, like, there's all kinds of modern westerns. It's the same story as The Seven Samurai. I can't remember what the fuck it's called. Um, Magnificent Seven? Was that the remake with, like, Denzel and um, yeah, 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 Brad yeah, yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It, rather than the Magnificent Seven, I think it's just Magnificent Seven. Is the right. Movie. I think you're right. Um, movies that like have the same reverence to the past, but are just filmed. This movie's not terrible. I mean, I didn't hate it, but I was so. It's hard for me to explain. It just felt so cheesy. It's like. Like, you can watch some, like, Lifetime movies or made-for-TV movies that have really good performances, but you can still see the cheapness in the production. Sure. And, like, that's just what it felt like to me. And it's a shame, because with that cast, I was expecting, like, something truly amazing. And while I wouldn't tell you not to watch it, like, I don't think there's anything to recommend it. And I think that if you want to go... Like, every one of the actors in this movie have a role somewhere else that they've done so much better than what they've done here. And I was looking, and it's got, like, an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics. 
and I don't understand it unless maybe like just they're mildly because if if you made me write a review for this movie it would probably fall in the range of a positive tomato meter score like I wouldn't give this movie like a two out of five or something I mean I would tell you it's like probably a a 2.5 2.75 so it's above like average but it's just barely there and honestly that's because of all the performances in it um I don't know I mean I guess I just expected more so yeah that's a shame yeah Uh I I was so disappointed within the first like 15 minutes of watching it just because of how just because of the look of it it just feels wrong like the whole everything about the movie feels wrong and it's weird because like I think script wise if it was filmed a little differently it would be really good because the the opening is pretty shocking and it's it's honestly like so close to being like great but then there's like just small things everywhere like a camera angle or i don't know like just the framing of something or the way that it it's really hard for me to explain but it just feels it feels off like watching it it was not you know a necessarily super enjoyable experience so yeah but hey if you have time and like you feel like you know killing two hours then i guess just see what you think yeah it's worth watching it just to see you know elba and lindo and stanthwaite and like all those all the actors in it are fantastic actors and are definitely not treating it like it's a shitty knockoff horror or western but I just wish it felt like something other than a shitty knockoff western. So yeah, that's 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 really disappointing. Um, I didn't know who was in that at all. I just knew that it was a western, like and like yeah, I would have been really excited. Like had I known anything about it. I mean, the thing is, is like you'll mark out to like something Elba does or something Lindo does or the the dude that I don't even know who this guy is, but the guy, the main character, um, Jonathan Majors good you know what oh, i mean oh, like jonathan majors yeah yeah he's he's really up and coming he's in that too jesus yeah okay so yeah. there's plenty of times where like you're like yeah like that was really well delivered dialogue or that was like a really cool interaction between these people but then like you're just watching it i don't know maybe i'm too picky yeah now i feel like i'm being um overly harsh and i should watch it again but i really don't want to you feel like you're being me um yeah <laughs> Well, it's just like with Dune, you know, I mean, I like was super annoyed, but then I was like, well, maybe it was my fault. Right. Maybe that's my problem. Right. Um, This fucking victim mentality. Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Majors, um, because you never finished Loki, right? Dude, I watched like the first two episodes of Loki and stuff. Okay. Um, Yeah, Jonathan Majors is um, playing Kang. Kang. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know I recognized him from somewhere, and that that yeah, is definitely it. He looks really, he looks, he's he's gonna be good, I think. Um, in that in that role, he's um, good in this movie. Yeah, I, again, like all the all the primaries in this movie are definitely worth watching. Just I don't know, just something about it. Yeah, he um, what's where's the first place i saw him uh, oh yeah that um movie from a few years ago uh last black man in san francisco mm-hmm. um he's really good in that too um that's where i first saw him 
Um, oh, that's I never watched Lovecraft. Love, Lovecraft Country. You watched that, right? Fucking fantastic. Yeah, yep. and he's in that too. Yeah. Um, oh, so fuck, disappointing. That's right. He's in fucking. Yeah, he was in five. The five bloods too. Yeah, that that kid's putting together a really damn good. Yeah, I never watched the Five Bloods. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's it's a good movie. Um, it's not one of the Spike Lee's best, but it's good. Um, right, it's that tone of voice that makes me not want to watch it. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> no, it's a it's a solid movie. Like, it's just there's a couple of things about it that's just a little goes a little too far. Like, from I think a realism standpoint, but um. Um, but yeah, excellent performances by everybody in that. Like that, and and of course Delroy Lindo's in that as well. Um, and Delroy's like one of like my favorite like character actors. I think, um, particularly for Clockers and um, Get Shorty. Like uh, I I love both of those roles so much. Yeah, understandable. He's uh he's pretty fantastic in most things. Yeah. Um, so I watched something which is now I found out today has now become the most watched Netflix movie of all time, apparently. Um, which yeah, is, it just surpassed something else like really impressive. I can't remember. It was a bird box still. That's it. It, it, yeah. it is. Yep. You're right. Mm-hmm. So, which is weird. I guess it's just inoffensive enough that like, it's like, everybody's just like, okay, I'll turn this on. Um, or has just, I guess I'm being, that's the cynical way of looking at it, right? I guess it has just enough appeal. Um, maybe I'll say like from different aspects of it that like people like give it a shot. Um, so, so do you know anything about this, right? This movie? Uh, I just know who's in it. And right. That was it. Okay. So, the synopsis of this movie is an FBI profiler pursuing the world's most wanted art thief becomes his reluctant partner in crime to catch an elusive crook who's always one step ahead. Wow. I don't think that's ever been done before. <laughs> right? No, never. Um, so you can anticipate, and, and, and let me tell you, okay, so The Rock plays the FBI profiler. <laughs> of course he does. Yeah. And Ryan Reynolds plays the reluctant art partner art thief, right? Right. So, so I, I can just tell you like who's starring in it and that synopsis. And you can, you can imagine this entire movie, like at this point, probably. Um, Isn't there literally like another rock movie that's almost exactly the same? Sure. It's with, probably directed by the same dude. Like with him and um, uh, Kevin Hart, maybe or something. This guy directed that movie. Like oh. this guy's directed three rock movies. Um, I, I didn't take, track of his name but i did look him up um last night and um yeah so he he directed that one um with uh with kevin hart and then he directed the like kind of disaster one like from a few years ago i can't remember the name of that either san andreas yeah maybe 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 it's a different rock disaster movie i'm not sure san andreas is the one that takes place in the obviously california where the San Andreas fault is causing okay. like parts of California to fall into the Pacific. Let me let me just look up filmography real quick. Um, no skyscraper. Oh, uh, much more well known. Yeah. So he. No so this guy is. directed. Yeah, Central Intelligence. So this is a different. So that's even a different rock Chris Hart movie, I think, than what you're talking about. Um, so there's Central Intelligence, Skyscraper, and now Red Notice. This guy is directed with The Rock. So, 
Um, they get along, I guess. So you can imagine you have your muse. what this movie is like, you know, um, it's like, so, so they get together, they're reluctant partners. Like there's this like fake tension that gets played out throughout, like, because the Ryan Reynolds guy is so, so gregarious that he's like, you know, always saying like things like, like every other scene, like, like we're friends, like we're partners. And then it's like, no, no, we're not, we're not, we're not friends. We're not partners. Um, that's like every other like scene. So like they go to all these different countries because they have to borrow liberally from things like oceans and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, and do like the, you know, the, the splash screen with the name of the city, like in some fancy way and use music to cue you to introduce it. Um, uh, this uh, kind of jet setting stuff. <laughs> it feels like all these scenes are like borrowed from like 2000s like television series. Like they like liberally borrow and even outright steal from shows like White Collar and Chuck. Um, like different scenes. Like there's a scene, and you'll remember this from Chuck. Um, there's there's a song for a dance scene. It's when Chuck is like, it's one of the first few episodes of Chuck. He's like, um, um it's one of his first missions or whatever, where he's like, has to wear a tux and go to this party. And then like dance with this woman who's like an arms dealer. Uh And they use a very specific song in it. They do. So this song starts playing for the city in this movie, like to introduce it. And it like cuts to the, like the stuff like with the party. And there's like the rocks dancing to the song with this woman. So like they basically steal like almost, except for he's, you know, actually knows how to dance where Chuck doesn't because it's comedy, but it's like, they, they just steal like that song um and then they end up using the song again later when they're back in the same location towards the end with um uh gal gadot and um the rock coming out of the water like into a boat like dripping water which is also something like in slow-mo which is also to that music which is also i'm pretty sure a scene in chuck to the same music um <clears throat> And so, like, they just kind of, like, stole that aspect of it. The the dynamic that they're trying to create is very white-collar-ish, um, including, like, kind of, like, borrowing and, like, just slightly rewriting, like, specific scenes from that show. Um, so so yeah it's it just it just happens like it is just unfolds in front of you. Gal Gadot um, plays the femme fatale in it. Um, at some point because she keeps getting the upper hand on both of them like you know at one point she like ends up like trying to get information out of them and she like shocks the rocks balls at one point like and um and then continuously as a reference back to it sings Petula Clark's downtown like over and over throughout the movie to remind him that she shocked his balls um so that's her character development i guess like right that's 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 sounds like really good character development uh the most like absurd scene probably in it is um they escape the villain's dungeon at one point and like the the escape hatch leads into the middle of a bullfighting ring Mm, i saw that scene okay (laughs) so and but then like they're frozen because the bull sees them Right, right, and, yeah. Um, the and Rock it, is like, or right, right, Ryan Reynolds is like, you need to do this thing. You need to not that's move. What, you need it because that's what he he's thinking. Right, and there's right. this argument over like whether it's about like you know, and the Rock's like that's from Jurassic Park that you don't move, like you know, and and like he convinces the Rock that he's right, but like he's not, and then the Rock gets bored, and um, he's like, oh right, that 
because the 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 punchline to it is like right before the bull bull gores him is like was jeff goldblum in what you're thinking of like you know and he's like oh yeah jeff goldblum wasn't and then the rocket scored like so that was just out of nowhere too like everything else is like ridiculous and like you know like stretches credulity but like Mm. that like that scene just came out of nowhere is this like you know way over the top like nonsense so you know this is the scene they're using to like (laughs) hype this movie because this is the scene i've seen okay i for some reason i had some clickbait shit come up with ryan reynolds like talking and i was like i don't mind ryan reynolds i'm probably the only person that we know that actually has like fond feelings for ryan reynolds in Mm -hmm. general um and he talked about this scene and they showed it and i was like man i am never watching this movie and that was the end of that so anyway like you know the plot progresses you can imagine right it's like you know here's an exact line of dialogue though from the rock my dad was a crook and i became a cop and your dad was a cop and you became a crook we're not that different um that's when they finally like realize like how bond a little bit like finally um and team up then there's this twist at the end that i'm not going to spoil but just like this it's just like for a movie that's already just like uh okay like it's fine it's on like it's not offending me too much like it just brings the movie down and just like to me like undercuts like everything about it and the the twist but it all ends with biggies and notorious because and that should tell you everything that you need to know about this movie um like is is that it's using a song from what 25 years ago to like end itself on some kind of high note or something like that like Well, it's because you remember it. You remember it and you'll pop to the memory of... Right, right. That, yes. Um, yeah, so it, I don't even know, like, what, like, how to, like, score it or, like, you know, it's, like, like a three out of ten or something. Like, it, like I most of the time it's just something that's playing out in front of you that's, like, inoffensive and like the most mildest of amusement at times um just based on the delivery from the rock and ryan reynolds Hmm. like because they're not incompetent like at all like when it comes to that's actually probably a decent pairing in terms of like timing sure the, the writing sucks so bad though that it's like basically any any mild amusement that comes from it is based off of them as opposed to the actual writing um sure but yeah, I mean, really, that's the pull of this, right? Is that you're taking like the stereotype of everything involving The Rock and the stereotype of everything involving Ryan Reynolds and putting them together, like, like that's the appeal of this movie. Is like how basically how do these like characters that play these these actors that play the same characters, how do they work together in a movie? And like that's basically the draw of this. And they work together fine. Um, you know, I mean, that's. I, I won't shit on that at all. I think Gal Gadot is like kind of just not written very well. I guess she's doing what she is supposed to do, but it's just kind of like dull and standard, like that character and that performance. Um, nothing like, you know, that interesting. Um, did you know, I, I, I didn't 
fully understand what was going on the other like the other night uh, we talked about this off air that i watched like the last hour of this wwe survivor series and there was a thing where vince had an egg like a golden egg that was stolen i read about the egg but not and i didn't know it, understand it until i watched this movie and i was like <clears throat> hold on a second is this thing like a a reference to red notice oh, no. the whole plot of this is that like the whole the whole premise sorry of this movie is that like cleopatra has three golden eggs or some shit and like they're trying to track down the third egg um like that's the whole like idea of like this whole movie so it's like yeah so like apparently red notice like the the producers the co- production company maybe netflix i don't know like i guess it's netflix paid them because of their connection with a rock like seven figures or something like that to do some kind of bullshit with like a golden egg being stolen um and the funniest thing to me knowing wrestling is that initially the pitch was to involve it in the 24 7 title by wwe and netflix is like that's not good enough but even netflix knows that that's that's some bullshit that's wwe's trying to <laughs> like pull on them um to associate their movie with that um but yeah so the wwe just took like you know like seven figures to like run a fucking i don't know how much but to run some kind of like fucking bullshit angle with a golden egg um to advertise this movie i guess I don't know what to say to that. I mean, that's actually like, I I genuinely believe that that's worse than the zombies attacking the Miz angle, where the Miz was literally devoured by zombies in right. a pay per view, right? So and was written off TV for like three weeks. Yeah. So there'd yeah. be some kayfabe belief that yeah. like, yeah, Vince appeared on screen for that shit too. Like for the the golden egg, yeah, I, yeah. Uh-huh. I saw that. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah, terrible. Gotta find, gotta find my egg. It's it's almost like you know why wouldn't you have timed it better if you wanted to do that? And I don't know, like have the Rock actually show up like on WWE television? Seems like that would have helped people, like everybody involved, much more probably. But uh, or you could you know like have some dignity, but right. Uh, <laughs> however you want to play it you know i guess <laughs> right all right so let's um let's finish here by talking about another movie we both watched on hbo max um mm. you know i forgot what it was until like two seconds ago <laughs> right um eight bit christmas um christmas christmas tale set in the 1980s um I'll let you go. What what what, what did you think of this? Because you you're the one that kind of ended up not making me watch it, but like I guess inspiring me to watch it. So, I mean, in the sense that like radiation inspired you to get cancer, I guess. But um, ah oh, man, so we don't really talk about this much on the the podcast, but I'm really into the nostalgia of my youth and especially from like a video game perspective so i collect nes games super nintendo games very into playing things on like the original consoles um our friend orion him and i both play on like crts although he's like much more into the crts than i am but like there's definitely this attraction to the idea of the way that things felt in your youth 
from a video game perspective, like discovering a new NES game or like kind of figuring stuff out and like the thrill of the first time you got one. And there's a lot of nostalgia there, right? Mm -hmm. So this movie sets itself up as playing to that nostalgia where it's a movie about a kid like a madcap caper movie that's a throwback to you know the 80s like tween movies or whatever kids movies that supposedly is about him getting his nes for the first time at christmas so the fucking framing look first of all nothing about this movie feels like it's set in the 1980s except for the clothes people are wearing Mm-hmm. And even then, it still is so vague that it could have been set like anywhere. So the premise is that this fucking kid, the childhood version of Doogie Goddamn Hauser, Neil Neil Patrick Harris, this fucking kid, it's 1988, and no one in his town has a Nintendo Entertainment System except for the one richest, the one rich kid, right? It's like it's like that Simpsons joke where like in the future computers will be owned by only the eight richest richest princes of Europe and whatever. Right. It's like no, in 1988 like anyone that wanted a Nintendo for the most part had a Nintendo or at least there was enough people that had a Nintendo that multiple people would have had a Nintendo because it wasn't brand new and they live in a fucking suburb of Chicago. So it's not like in the boonies or something. You know like there's they can get the they can get to Chicago in a short period of time. Anybody could have had a Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So right away, it's an incredibly stupid and ill-conceived premise, just from like a logical standpoint, where the people that you're trying to appeal to are people that live through this time and know like facts or life, right? Whatever. So then the movie is just a series of escalating gags that are meant to make I guess make you sympathetic towards these kids plights but like it doesn't like I don't care like I never cared about any of these kids I thought they were all idiots right I thought it was all really poorly performed for the most part Mm -hmm. they've got a bully character that's there for no reason other than to set a scene and then to show that if you stand up to a bully by basically threatening to beat him up, which is, I'm pretty sure not what people like, you know, kind of teach anymore. Um, but if you threaten to beat, beat a bully up that he'll like back down and you'll be fine. Even though he's stolen hundreds of dollars from you because he's a fucking thug. Right. They also try and introduce some kind of like parents against video game violence in this shit, mm-hmm. which is something that didn't happen for right. like right two or three years after this movie set. Yeah, like nobody was talking about how gory it was for Mario stomping on a fucking turtle's no. head. No. So they try and introduce that element as like the this is the reason why he can't get a Nintendo because everyone's so afraid of the violence and it does it in such a way that's like completely unbelievable and not interesting at all in the sense of like using this rich kid and the rich kid's parents like because the rich kid is obviously 
has some kind of chemical imbalance that that's the reason it's because of the nintendo what and what year is this set in again do you remember 88 motherfucking 88 right so it's like we we so listen first episode best 30 minutes um anyway it was like what i i I figured out 1987 i think or 86 like december of 86 or something like one of those two years i had a nintendo like is when i got my nintendo and we were fucking poor we were really poor and i had got a fucking nintendo so it was i was like immediately i was like what the fuck is this like is this really set this late in the 80s and they're pretending this rich kid is the only person that has a nintendo i mean brother we we lived in cecil motherfucking county (laughs) right we didn't live next to chicago we had Ames and kmart (laughs) right and we had nintendos like we could order them through the sears catalog and yes seven and a half years later they'd show up at the sears catalog (laughs) store and you go pick up your nintendo (laughs) with fucking bad dudes and i don't know dr chaos or something because you got fucking hoodwinked by an ad but anyway so all that stuff is unbelievable Hmm. on top of that they use video they use footage from two games that aren't even real games like in this in, in this movie so the Nintendo really has a part in the first like 25 minutes of this movie and that's it. Like aside from just being right like the I don't know. Red herring isn't the right word. What's like not 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 do six mocking of it. What's MacGuffin? Like the, yeah, there you go. Aside from being the MacGuffin for the majority of this movie, it's not in it. So they show video game footage from Paperboy and they show video game footage from Rampage. And then it's a made-up fighting game that the kid is using the power glove to control. Mm-hmm. And he's not even using the power glove in the way the power glove works, which is also really fucking dumb. And that's what causes the TV to crush the dog. But they couldn't kill the dog. It just, like, breaks its legs. And that's why they're against video game violence. And then there's another, there's a fourth game that they play at some point that's not a real game, but I can't remember what it is. But all this shit, it's like... And then... The biggest bait and switch is the moral of the fucking movie. Oh my god, yeah. You didn't need a Nintendo anyway because yeah. you had your dad's love. Right. And that's all that matters. And the whole thing is that it's Neil Patrick Harris as a dad showing his Nintendo to his daughter and telling the story about how his grandparents didn't want him to have a Nintendo. Um, but how he this is like the Christmas that he really wanted to get a Nintendo. Because she wants to get a phone and he doesn't want to let her have a phone. And basically it's like it's like what 10-year-old today too? Like, think about that, like as a framing device. Like what 10-year-old today doesn't have a fucking phone right. of some sort? Like, look, you know? When like, when when my son was like eight or nine, mm-hmm. I mean, I, when he was probably like seven or eight, I got him a flip phone. And for right, a couple of right. years, he carried a burner around uh-huh. with him. Right. In case you gotta call somebody, in case you need something sure you know to learn how to like be responsible and keep Mm -hmm. a hold of it and how to like text responsibly or whatever right and then when he was like 11 years old i traded up my iphone and i gave him my old iphone and ever since then he's had a phone of his own so right Right. and like and he's now 21 21 right he'll be 21 in a couple months in a couple months yeah so it's like that's 10 years like how outdate already is this framing device in 2021 right right? like i mean so here and here's the other thing too is like it's the most titanic fucking ending ever 
Because it's not only that, like, it was his dad's love that was the real gift. But then the dad's dead. So it's like trying to, like, emotionally manipulate you into feeling something. Right. Because, like, oh, there's the empty chair where my dad would have been. Mm-hmm. Ah, so wistful and ah, but you know, I have the time to make these memories with you, my daughter. Mm-hmm. It's it's so fucking manipulative and like yeah. lazy. Yes, and to not even have the and the end result is like, oh yeah, I got my Nintendo the next summer. I had to work for it. Yeah, seriously, like so. I don't. So first of all, this movie tries to combine too many different movies. It's trying to do like a Christmas story, Home Alone like shit, and like some kind of Princess Bride framing device. Like, and it's like way too much going on like around this entire movie. It's like second, it's like the '80s idea isn't even relevant. Like outside of just a punchline, like it's like Cabbage Patch Kids, Nintendo jokes, Die Hard, Platoon jokes, like Light Bright, like, and it's like as much as I like privately and i guess a couple times now like if maybe on the best three minutes to kind of shit on our childhood like for being just nothing nothing but commercialism like that like to use it to use the 80s like that as just like cultural references like when this is said in the 80s is really fucking lame and really fucking cynical um and like it feels like this guy didn't even to me it's like it's somebody who didn't grow then this guy's a year younger than me i looked him up like and it's like the the guy who wrote the novel that this is based on and i think adapted it too like it feels like this guy didn't grow up in the 80s though like it feels like it's like somebody that like was like much younger than our generation and then like wrote about our generation based off of fucking memes and jokes like because yeah nothing in it is like that original like in terms or that insightful like about it's it's all things that are very commonly made jokes about in terms of the 80s and like you know gen x kids um like like the the billy ripkin you mentioned this the other night when we were talking like the billy ripkin fuck face um Uh like error card it's like okay so that's a minor piece maybe like but it's like one of the more famous things like i would say outside of the ken griffin griffey um rookie card in 89 like the fuck face is one of the most famous things in car collecting so again i think it's fairly well known like if you kind of like were around that time period um that this like error card existed so it just felt really lame and then you get to the ending and it's like here's how i took it you said this bait and switch and, and you're exactly right is this is like supposed to be this like oh this gen x or movie right like you know like the kids that grew up in the eight like you know 80s like these late xers you know and like this fucking thing not only baited bait and switched the like this the, the plot ending of the whole thing it bait and switched the entire like fucking like culture of gen x right because like work hard and appreciate what you fucking have is what the fucking boomers told all of us all of our lives so basically this movie ends with a le- with a boomer lesson <laughs> and it's like some co- sort of excerpt who wrote this having his bro call moment about the boomers and like adopting and co-opting their viewpoint of life now that he's fucking 40 years old and 
I was absolutely disgusted by the end of this movie because of that. As someone who, like, I think still tries to hold true to some of the Xer, like, you know, <laughs> like, um, like values to some degree, which is primarily number one, fuck the boomers. Um, <laughs> and, and two, like, you know, um, is like, you know, no, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps is not a valid philosophy of life for everyone. Like, you know, that it's all circumstantial. Um, and, and that's not, like, the best piece of advice ever, like, all of our parents tried to, like, teach us it was. So I was really, I was actually, like, offended by the end of this movie. Agreed. And, and whoever wrote this movie, fuck you. I, I also feel like you say that it feels like this kid didn't grow up in the 80s. I mean, we we live in a moderately religious area, and two of the more prominent religions around here are the the, the Pentecostals and the Church of Latter-day Saints. Um, what are they called? Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not the Church of Latter-day Saints. Jehovah's Witnesses. So we grew up with kids that weren't allowed to celebrate anything. We're never allowed to have Nintendo. You know, we're never allowed to do anything in their lives. This feels like a movie written by one of those people that grew up in the 80s. Mm. Like somebody that mm. didn't have like a real childhood commiserate with what most of us experienced in the 1980s, which was cartoons, Nintendo, you know, toys that were based on the cartoons that we watched every day, sugary cereals, like all these things that we kind of lived through. This dude's in a hippie house where they're building the house piecemeal and the dad never finishes anything and they got to go clean up shit out back all the time like this kid had an awful childhood in relation to here's it's it's really incongruous the ideas behind it right like yeah because you're right they like are kind of like like these like in some ways like kind of like hippie-ish like household that you would think would be more okay with some of those things right um more open-minded at least sure and Except that there was the hippies that were all about like, yeah, those those Pacific Northwest hippies, not allowed to have any sugar in the house, right? Or, right, yeah, the ones that oh go my god, far, yeah, like you have you have cake at your birthday party, like well, he's not allowed to eat cake; he only eats like whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's 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 those yeah, it's those Oregon hippies that like you know that are um like all like socially like progressive and economically progressive, but they don't believe in vaccines and shit. Like it's those types um and you know what i don't even mind like the different perspective on childhood in the 1980s but don't sell it as like this great nostalgia piece like ode to growing up as a kid in the 1980s and then like fucking bait and switch me you dicks right and 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 the fact that it's like there there's some other shit about the 80s like look some of the humor in the 80s you can't get away with in 2021 sure i get that like i'm I'm, i I understand that like you know but don't try to also like through rose tinted glasses um try to like paint the 80s as this diverse time period necessarily either because it wasn't like like you didn't have like a big mixture of like friends like you know from other races all the time and stuff like that like this would this would have been abnormal abnormal like to some degree like in the 80s not 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 rare 
but not the norm. Like maybe not in a suburb of Chicago, though. Right. Right, I mean, they're right. only they're only what they say like thirty minutes away from Chicago or something. Yeah. It's like a thirty minute mm-hmm. car ride. I don't know. I mean, again, like around here, definitely you would not have sure. seen. Yeah. But there's like, there's veiled gay jokes in this movie constantly because of the boot he has to wear his, uh, he has to wear girls' boots. Yes. I mean, they don't come out and like sure, you know, call them any kind of like disparaging. Yeah slang or anything but it, yeah. they absolutely like imply that that makes him a girl sure somehow lesser yeah and it's like you could have done really interesting stuff with <clears> something <throat> like that if you had the you know how you sex term to do it if you had the balls to actually like like actually not make this some kind of family friendly like you know let's satisfy everybody all the time and you you might actually have be able to have something to say about that time period Um, but it's so lowest common denominator in everything that it does that you say absolutely nothing except for end up adopting a boomer standpoint, like by the end. Um, I thought something was really disturbing in this movie. And I don't know if you took the same way, like when the scene is supposed to be this, like, you know, like kind of like almost like avant-garde surrealist scene when he plays the Nintendo in the store. Oh, and then Nintendo's talking to him? I mean, did you take, like, these, like, weird sexual, like, undertones to, like, the way that the fucking Nintendo was talking and, like, some of the, like, lines that came out of the Nintendo's mouth? Like, it's fucking weird. It's a weird fucking scene, dude. I'd have to go back and watch that again because I don't, I don't recall that. It's fucking bizarre. Like it's like you know what was the kid's name again? I can't even remember. But it's oh, like know. Joey, Joey, I think. But it's like you're a good boy, Joey. Like you deserve this. Like and it's like it, it's real mm. fucking weird. Real fucking weird. Like some of the, the the dialogue that comes out of the Nintendo's mouth or whatever. Like I I don't get it. Like it, it was is a really bad scene anyway. But that shit was like just fucking bizarre. Um. And I know Neil Patrick Harris, I've known him my entire life, I guess, like, you know, pretty much. Um, um, I watched Doogie Howser when I was, you know, um, fuck, Jesus, getting old. Um, younger than, like, this kid would have been in this movie, I've been watching Neil Patrick Harris. Um, he's phoning it in this movie completely. Oh, yeah. And utterly, like, completely phoning it in. Like, like he must have read the script or like, like got attached to it somehow and read it. And it was just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) All right, let me go. Let me go give 15% (laughs) like in this movie, Um, because it's it's he does. You can just tell he does not care. What does he really have to do anyway? He just has to. He's got what? 15 minutes screen time most. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There's the the opening scene that lasts for five minutes, say. Then there's the, the two midpoint scenes that are both like two or three minutes long, and then the ending that's maybe yeah yeah it it might be like sixteen fifteen sixteen minutes of the movie that he's like physically on screen and acting, yeah. And otherwise, you're just kind of listening to his voice, yeah. Yeah, what a bad movie. It's, it's terrible. It was super disappointing. And 
I wasn't expecting like a huge amount, but I was expecting competence to a point. And I was expecting to feel like some pangs of, you know, it's the other thing too. None of these fucks. And I understand that they're like 11, 12 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. None of these fucks have He-Man or GI Joe or Transformers. Nothing. There's nothing anywhere that they have that like, a child in that era would have had Dude, they couldn't even get the rights to a lot of nintendo games to be able to show them All right, well they got they got two of the winners in paperboy and motherfucking rampage uh yeah rampage is what he's playing in the um yeah, yeah in the, the heck company or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. yeah no you're right i mean like there's there's not any of that like you know none of the things that were like that a young boy of that age would have had um at least something of like like there was none. Would, of you, it. would you have to pay rights to have a toy in the background? I don't know. Like, I mean, I like th- it depends on like how prominently it's featured. I suppose. Right. I don't. I don't think you do. Yeah, probably. I think not. it's just like background. Sure. Because I mean, think about all the movies that we watched in the 1980s that had. I mean, Frank what, toys. Frank, let, let me put let me put back on my like cynical like you know our whole child was commercialism um, hat real quick wasn't that all like product placement like paid right i don't know that they ever got paid for it like everybody i think everybody got paid for it in movies where they were where it was prominently displayed like so the boy who could fly right Mm -hmm. because they talk about gi joe's and they mention gi joe's by name right or something like et where they have like a speak and spell sure or Uh reese's pieces i'm sure there was some like promotional consideration there Uh uh-huh but there's plenty of movies where you just see like something in the background. It's just sitting on a shelf. Nobody got paid for that. That's just I, like incidental window dressing, basically. Oh, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure if I buy that, Frank. <clears throat> I'm not sure if I buy that, that and see. I'm yeah. curious. Um, there's there's a lot of people that think even with something like Pulp Fiction that there was money from um, McDonald's or Burger King um or sorry yeah there mcdonald's was mcdonald's right yes like there was mcdonald's was like you know actually like um you know like subtly like you know, gave them money and they made and tarantino put subtle references like pro mcdonald's and anti other establishment references into that movie like i i would not surprise me if you saw some he-man figures in the background in the 1980s like in like fucking like fred savage's room in a movie like that he-man threw like ten thousand dollars like for like placement you know i mean would not surprise me whatsoever Um, maybe like i mean i'd be interested to see yeah Um, like look at um the ice storm does it because they have um gi joe's in their basement um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of the scenes where the younger brothers like doing something i think there's gi joe's down there so you think they got paid for that um uh, boss uh, by by that point that's like what like late 90s like 99 90, 90, like 98 99 yeah i don't know if it still is relevant then at that point right because it's a movie about the past i'm saying movies that we grew up on that like where those products still existed at that point in time right, yeah, yeah yeah i think I mean, everything was probably paid like what i'm saying is like now oh yeah now like Like in this movie like they could have had like some random you know sure they could they could have yes yes you're absolutely right about this movie i think yeah 
was I watching the other day? The kid had a fucking like Sky Striker hanging up. And I was so mad watching that movie. Um, I wish I had a Sky Striker. So, is there anything that you're looking for? Do you know of anything coming out that you're looking forward to that's coming to streaming and all? Uh, for free streaming? Yeah, like. Because I, I know there's some things. Well, do you care anything about West Side Story? Like that? Oh I yeah. Uh, no. Only in the sense that I enjoy West Side Story. Right. Um. There is something. I think I'm kind of interested in watching that Lin Manuel, whatever his name is. That tick Tick um, Boom. Is that his? Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know anything about it. I just know it's him and like the title of it. Do you? It's it's the story of um, the guy that made Rent. Oh, okay. Like the musical Rent, but it's uh-huh. like based on his life. Gotcha. And I enjoy Hamilton well enough, and I, I've never watched the whatever the fuck that other movie was called. The shit, the neighborhood movie. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, um lincoln heights is that it something heights in 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 the in the heights in the heights good job um there were a few other things that were coming out that i was interested in but now i can't remember uh i i know that um jane jane campion like has a movie coming out um which i would not like no normally like be interested in like necessarily but um I know it's getting a lot of Oscar buzz. It's and 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 then it gets worse. Like when I like looked into it, like I was like the power. It's called the Power of the Dog. Um, I looked into it a little bit more, and it's on a it's like on a farm on a prairie or something like that. And I was like, oh my god! But it's Cumberbatch playing a farmer, and his brother is played by um oh geez Jesse Plemons. And if Jesse Plemons is in it, like. I think anymore it's like I'm kind of there. <laughs> like I'll, yeah, I like I'll, I, I like him a lot. Yeah. So and and Kirsten Dunst is in it as like the love interest. Um, I guess. Um, but um, uh, since they seem to be doing so many movies together, um, it seems recently like in small roles one way or another since they're married, which is like the weirdest um marriage in Hollywood, I think. Um. <clears throat> But um, so yeah, there's that coming out I know, and then there's an Adam McKay comedy, um, with um, Jennifer Lawrence and Leo DiCaprio, um, that's coming out to Netflix in December. Um, it's called Don't Look Up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to look that up. And like the idea of like Leo in a um in a comedy kind of interests me. It's a black comedy, but it's still a comedy. Um. So I'll probably check that out. That comes out in December. Um, but um, but yeah, other than that, like I don't really know much that I've seen that's coming up that I'll probably check out. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that's coming out theatrically. Um, I I want to watch that being the Ricardos. What's that? That's the one with um. Fuck, who's in it? Uh. Kidman and Bardem, Bardem, playing Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Oh, um, oh, Aaron Sorkin did it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm interested in seeing that. Um, 
God, she doesn't even look like herself in that poster. Um, no. Pokemon. Oh, shit. We got some sound coming through. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to get a fucking copyright claim. We're never getting a copyright claim, Frank. Um, Touche. <laughs> oh, shit. J.K. Simmons is in that movie. Um, Tony Hale's in that movie. Alia Shawcott, I think, is in that movie. Holy shit. That's Clark Gregg. Damn. That's a hell of a cast in that. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see it in the Carter's movie. Yeah. Um, so there's, yeah, there's, I think this is a fun exercise to do at the end, maybe of the month, just to talk about like the streaming stuff and maybe I'll pay more attention to the, um, you know, what I'm seeing, like coming out and watch a couple just so we have something to, to discuss. Yeah. I mean, sadly, like we should, we should have started doing this like, um, a year and a half ago. (laughs) probably when the shit was coming out like all the time um because now everything's yeah. going back to the theaters um as we enter in like our fucking third phase probably here soon of um you know covid but um well like, yeah there were some encouraging signs <sighs> sorry because um it is tired in here well, i've been up for a long time um far from home no way home no way home far from home no No, far from home is the one the second movie no way home is this one well that's Um, that's that's really bad titling okay sorry go ahead well homecoming is the first one so you know you gotta gotta keep the gotta keep the jesus the trend um look they're good movies so oh of course they are i'm just saying i didn't even realize that the bad bad titling choices um spider-man 3 has the best pre-sale since avengers endgame Hmm. That's um, interesting. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And it is. Yeah. Aside from people beating each other up to get pre-sale tickets, because apparently, like, they're selling out everywhere because theaters have reduced their seating. Sure. Um. You know. Yeah. It's um. It's 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 a decent time, but on the positive side too. I ain't got to go to the movies because they're still putting them out after like two weeks for like $20. So, right. I'm still just going to watch that shit in my house. And that might be um, Spider-Man. I'm, I'm really interested in seeing that. So th- that could be something I actually end up um, spending that kind of money on um, to watch. Cause I'm, I'm pretty excited about what I'm hearing about that movie. Um, I will, I will wait for, um licorice pizza um like to be i don't know like six dollars probably or free um pt anderson's new movie yeah that's one that i may pay to watch but i don't know um i just just was not a big fan of his last movie um after watching it have you have you still not watched that yet Nah, still haven't yeah. yeah um it's i don't know it just wasn't very good and i and and the idea that he's going back to the 70s again like like oh no sorry phantom thread was his last movie phantom thread's fucking amazing um i thought that um no inherent vice is 2014 oh really and then phantom thread is 2017 yeah phantom thread's really good phantom thread's amazing um no i was thinking of inherent vice when i said that um but going back again to the 70s it's just like a little like i like 
I, I don't know. I think I'm done with him in the seventies. Like it's his era, baby. I'm I'm done with that like exploration. I think. Um, oh, and Tragedy of Macbeth comes out. Um, I think Christmas Day. Um, in the theaters, the uh, Coen Brothers, or I think it's just Joel, um, mm-hmm. himself. Um, but that's the uh, Denzel Francis McDormand, um, Macbeth, and um, so that that could be good. I'm going to make a movie about kids trying to pay for the USS flag um, one Christmas, and then their friend just gets it for Christmas, and then doesn't even care that he has it, and his name is Jason. <laughs> that's that's going to be... That's, that's my that's, fucking ret- retro movie. Oh! <laughs> Jeez. Uh. Based on a true story. Mm. (laughs) I threw it away. (laughs) There's an Easter egg. Um, The Easter egg is real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right, right. I, I, I heard it as soon as I said it. Like, um, I was like, right, right. Love you, Jason Easter. Yeah, love you, Jason. Um, yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we have um, we have a concept for next year, like weekly concept. So we'll see if we ever revisit this again. But in 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 the in the meantime, this is like a a kind of like one at least throwaway interstitial material um, as we moved forward and do have a kind of supplemental podcast um next month when we um talk about batman returns um as our second watch like kind of bonus episode so um and then we'll be um picking up with the uh, new concept in the first week of january so yeah it should be good yeah all right well thanks for listening everybody um hope you have a good evening this kind of like random like bonus episode so hope you had a happy thanksgiving Yes. This is-